Welcome to the Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. Recently, as listeners of this podcast will know, the Ontario Basic Income Trials, uh, there was an announcement that they would be cancelled. Now, as of now, we have no details about when or how that's going to happen, and so the recipients of Basic Income are, are pretty much left in limbo wondering if they're going to get their, their payment the next month, the next year, and so on. And since the announcement, a photographer named Jesse Golem started a project called Humans of Basic Income, in which she takes photos of basic income recipients in Ontario, holding up a sign with a sentence or two about what basic income has meant to them. And since then, the project has completely taken off. I had a chance to sit down with Jesse and talk to her about her experiences with this project and where she sees it going. So here's Jim and Jesse Golem on the Basic Income Podcast. Jesse, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Awesome. I'm excited. Now, you run the Humans of Basic Income Project, which is telling stories of participants in the Ontario Basic Income Pilot. Yes. But beyond that, you're actually enrolled in the program yourself, correct? Yes, that is correct. Can you tell us a bit about what your experience has been um, before and, and during that, the pilot? Yeah, um, so I worked four jobs before um, signing up for the pilot. So I signed up in December and I found out I got approved in February. Um, and yeah, I was working four jobs. So it's basically like I was up early in the morning and just working nonstop um, between all of my jobs and not really having time to make meals for myself or like I'm just going home just to sleep and shower and that's it and nothing else. And, and it was just a very, very exhausting and frustrating existence. And I was also finding that like, you know, I was still like just barely scraping by and still living paycheck to paycheck and, and still not, but still feeling like I didn't have time and the opportunity to pursue the things I want to do or, or focus my energies into the jobs I want to be doing. So when I got basic income, I dropped down from four jobs to two jobs. Um, and those two jobs was um, both building and managing my own business as a freelance photographer. So um, advertising, booking photo projects, doing the thing I love. Um, and also I'm the operations manager at Photographers Without Borders. And that's a rapidly growing organization. And it, in itself, it is a full-time job. So it, I, it needs the energy and time to devote to it. And basic income was buying me that energy and time to devote to to uh, growing PWB. Wow, yeah, that sounds like exciting stuff. And like, it, it would be a very positive shift to be able to really focus your energies in that way. As I think all of our listeners know, last month, the new progressive conservative government of Ontario announced that they were canceling the pilot despite having promised that they would not do so during the election. That is correct. What was your reaction to that? I was devastated. So um, before um, the pilot had gotten canceled, um, there's actually um, a series um, that the Huffington Post is putting out called No Strings Attached, where they were following a couple of like different people in Ontario on the basic income pilot. And I was actually one of the subjects that they were going to be following. So they had made, um, they had produced a number of videos. Um, one of the videos is out already. It's really good. It's about this couple in Lindsay that started their own business and they, they hadn't done my video yet. 
that. So I was literally like an hour before they made the converse, the cancellation. I was on um, like talking like on Facebook with the editor at Huffington Post about planning the video and having the shoot ready and what we were going to do. And then literally an hour later, she messaged me and said, so they're winding down the program. I'm really sorry. And I felt like the rug was just pulled out from underneath me and I was devastated and furious. Um, my dad called me later that day cause he found out and he was like, Jesse, just be calm. And I just started crying. Um, cause I was just so upset and so angry. And, and I realized that like, well, I have this relationship with Huffington and I have a platform and I have this ability. So I'm not, I'm not going down without a fight. Like I want Doug Ford to know my name and I want him to know how angry I am. So I um, wrote an opinion piece for Huffington post. Um, I did a number of radio interviews and then I started contacting people in, in my city, which is Hamilton. Um, so I went to Hamilton Roundtable for poverty reduction and they ended up going to Queens park where um, I participated in a press conference there. Um, and then somewhere along that line, I got the idea for the portrait series. Um, and this was both inspired by my work at Photographers Without Borders because like um, our big mandate is amplifying people's um, voices and using the power of visual storytelling to communicate change. So, and I recognize here that it's like, my story is just one story, but there are 3,999 other stories out there of people who were using basic income to get themselves out of poverty or um, start new careers or go back to school or move into safer living or like so many really, really good things that would contribute to our society in a positive way. So I realized I could tell those stories. Then I just started reaching out on social media, um, like putting call outs on community groups on Facebook and everything and as soon as I got a couple of portraits started and people could start to see what I was doing and sort of see the vision of what I was doing that's when the ball started rolling and more people kept on coming forward to me and wanting to get their portrait taken and so I would be I would uh, set up like you know times where I would like meet up with a group of people and take all their portraits or go to their places and meet them personally and take their portraits um, and so it's just kind of gotten the ball rolling from there and the momentum has been growing and then from there I shared it on my personal Facebook and then one of my friends got the idea of doing social media. So we, we created a Facebook page and a Twitter account. And, and so I've been posting all the pictures on there and telling all these stories and the impact has been tremendous. Um, it's really taken a life of its own. It's kind of grown beyond me, which is beautiful to see. I think, I mean, so often when you hear public conversations around basic income, it, it tends to be more mired in the economics and like larger systemic view of things and very policy oriented exactly and, and i think i mean I, I think part of that is because in general up till now it's it has been more of a hypothetical you don't actually have these real cases so it is i, I mean I, I would say personally it's inspiring to see like actually oh this is a human policy <laughs> this is actually yeah. affecting people's lives and, yeah, and actually were directly negatively affected by this cancellation because they, they had plans. Like there were people I've met who have had three year plans and we're going to use this money to do this, that, or the other. Um, but now those plans are suddenly canceled. And the other thing I need to point out is that the conservative government hasn't communicated anything to anyone. Like I said, I found out because the editor of Huffington Post told me, but like nobody, like nobody got any letter in the mail. Nobody got an email or a phone call, like nothing. 
um, and nobody knows what this looks like moving forward. So when they say, like the conservative government keeps on saying that they're going to do a compassionate wind down, but leaving 4,000 people like completely in the dark wondering, am I going to get money this month? I don't know. Um, and they're terrified because they're depending on it is not compassionate. It's, it's evil. It's horrible. It's almost the exact opposite, like going from like actually full security to suddenly complete insecurity as to what your life will be in a week or a month. Yeah, exactly. And, and not giving anybody any adequate time to sort of plan for, well, what happens next? Like I know for myself, I haven't had a moment to think about what is plan B. Like I haven't thought about plan B yet. Um, and partly because I've been so busy doing this portrait series, but I also think emotionally for me, it's like part of doing the portrait series is sort of like um, avoiding having to think about plan B and think about the reality that the conservative government has forced me into. Now, as you've talked to other basic income recipients, have there been things that have stood out in your conversations? Anything that surprised you or, or seemed particularly noteworthy? Yeah, um, it's honestly been like one of the most heartbreaking photo series I've ever done. Like everybody I've talked to um, has all like expressed both a sense of helplessness and fury about what's happened and kind of like, well, what can we do now? Like we can't speak up. So when I'm coming to them and saying, you know, hold this sign, write your story on it, it's giving them a voice. And so people have been really thankful that I've been coming to them. Um, I had one encounter that was particularly heartbreaking. Um, it was an older gentleman. And after I took his picture, he just kind of like a few minutes, I was working with some other people getting their portraits and then he just kind of like shuffled up to me and he was like, Jesse, um, I have a question and, and, you know, I, I'm really afraid of the answer. And he looked genuinely afraid. Um, and it was this older, older, older man fella like talking to me. And then he was like, am I going to get this month's payment? Like, and just like, like that kind of fear. And that, and that really struck me. Cause I was just like, wow, like we're all in the same boat. And I, I had to look at him and say, I think we are, but I don't know. And, and to have to say that to him was really, really heartbreaking. There were other people like um, actually a person who, who it, actually outside of all of this, she's a very good friend of mine. Um, she was like studying, um, she's going to school for um, like manual therapy and osteopathy, um, but she's also working as a bartender. So it's like she's working like all night and, you know, closing up bars and then waking up bright, bright and early and going to school all week and just... And, and so to have to return to that life is going to be exhausting for her. Um, and I also know like another person I met um, was living, is living in a motel. And so she's washing her dishes out of her bathroom sink um, and, and doesn't have like, it's just not an adequate living situation whatsoever. And she was saying, thank God I was going to get an apartment. And if I had gotten an apartment, I would be homeless right now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is intense. And, and, and to see that and to be encountered like this is this is what poverty in Canada looks like. And, and you know, this had an opportunity to get these this small group of people out of poverty and you're just taking it away without any like any of the reasons that they are justify using to justify doesn't have any research or citation to back it up. So there isn't actually a reason um, and they aren't providing us any information. Now, I realize that you may not have had a whole lot of time to figure this out, but I'm curious, to, do you have a sense at this point as to where where you hope this project will go in the shorter and maybe longer term? 
Well, I'm hoping that it changes public opinion. Um, and I'm hoping that it, it, in the long term, it opens up a very real um, conversation about poverty and the stigma around poverty. Um, a big thing I've noticed, um, especially, you know, advocating for basic income and doing this project, is that there's a lot of... Um, a lot of very dehumanizing vernacular when it comes to talking about people in poverty. Like um, people have called me a parasite or a leech or saying that I'm stealing taxpayers' money. And like that kind of language, like it's dehumanizing in the sense that you're human, you aren't a human, you're a parasite, you're a leech. Um, and your humanity is only dependent on your ability to economically contribute to the society. So I think I'm hoping by bringing these stories forward and saying like these people are working, like I am working, I'm, I'm managing a rapid growing international not-for-profit. Um, I'd like to think that the work I'm doing is good and justifiable work. Um, like, and, and other people are working and, and are like, we're using this to better their lives. Like they aren't using it as an excuse to be lazy or sit around and play video games all day or whatever it is. Um, it was a, an opportunity, not an excuse to build and better their lives. So I'm hoping that that sort of helps to change the stigma and change the conversation because especially in these times when we have people like Doug Ford or Donald Trump um, in positions of power um, that utilize tactics of fear and misinformation and ignorance and propaganda to sort of further their agendas, um, I, I feel like that kind of um, vernacular is very um, divisive and polarizing and can be very dangerous in the long run and very violent. And I want to I want to be able to shift away from that. Another um, another goal of this is obviously to get the pilot back or to to get some sort of remuneration or compensation for the damages that are caused. So I am working like um, I am working with um, people in Thunder Bay and Lindsay and Hamilton, um, like discussions about what a class action lawsuit would look like, which actually one was just filed yesterday by uh, four people in the city of Lindsay. Um, like so like we're we're, we're looking at that and also trying to put pressure both on the government, on the conservative government, so that this is wild, widely denounced as a very bad and very unpopular move um, to bring it back or to see if the federal government would, would take up the project, which would be in everybody's best interest. I have been so impressed to see how much is happening there in Thank response you. to that announcement. Uh, we had a chance to talk with Sheila Rigger a couple oh, weeks back, cool. and she was talking about some of the things in the work. Um, and I, yeah, that seems like a really big deal. There's, there's actually legal action that's, that's moving ahead now as well. Mm -hmm. So those were all the questions I had for you. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, like I just want to say, like, you know, in terms of um, like what you were saying about like you're impressed with everything that's happened, um, I think the biggest thing that would contribute to the success of um, this whole movement is that we maintain a united front. And that's what I've been trying to do in cooperating and collaborating with everybody is keeping everybody on the same lines of communication and saying that we need to be united. We have the same goals and, and let's not fragment ourselves because if we do, it won't be successful. But if we have one united front and we come to the government with one strong voice, then we can make a change. Um, and I'm seeing it happen right now I'm with the, the exposure that it is getting and, and all of the attention that is getting. Um, so I, I do feel cautiously optimistic for a positive outcome for this. Um, and again, it is all about amplifying voices and the power of storytelling to create change. And it's been a huge, I guess, blessing for me to be in a position to be able to amplify these voices and tell these stories in a platform where people are listening. 
That was Jim Pugh and Jesse Golem on the Basic Income Podcast. I would say Ontario is a fairly rare instance in the UBI space where just generally we're seeing more of the human side of basic income because you've actually had recipients and, and so, and just seeing the pushback that's come from there, I think that it has just broadly felt like there is, it's, it's more of a people issue. But I think with Jesse's project, that's just being taken to the next level. Like you're actually seeing these firsthand accounts of how people's lives are actually changed and, and what it will mean to them if, if this program is canceled. And I think, as we've talked about many times before, it's hard to overstate what impact these sorts of stories, I think, could have on the basic debate going forward. Yeah, I, yeah, that's really true. And I think when you have a program where it's like, we built a school and we created a mentorship program and so on and so forth, that basically creates a story in your head without any more details. Or if you just say, we gave someone money, that feels like the first sentence, and we don't know what happens after that. But you know, Jesse's Jesse's project is showing what happens after that, and it's a lot of very uplifting results. And you know, hopefully, it can keep on. Yeah, I'm very curious to see as as this grows, how elected officials are going to react if if there is the potential that they may change their mind, and particularly with this lawsuit as well. It, it seems like there is there are efforts from all fronts, and so so hopefully. They are able to change what happens. But I'm also curious to see over the longer term how this affects the ways that different organizations decide to engage around basic income. Because certainly in the US, my sense in Canada as well is, is there has been, or at least had been, still a lot of skepticism around the idea of, of unconditional cash and that it, it wasn't necessarily a good way to support people. And once, I mean, now that we have these stories out there, it'll be really interesting to see if, if folks there change their mind as well. Yeah, and it is, she is creating a lot of really good data points, just really humanizing the, the program, uh, because I think we are, we're often just waiting for the program to finish, the analysis to come, and then some paper where we say, aha, look, great, like positive results. And that's, you know, three years after the, the initial program began. And this is just, it's instant, it's human. You, could, you look at the picture and you, you see right away. And even just looking at their faces, there's something about, you know, just, just having that visual. You say, well, of, of course this person is, their life is made better by a little bit of income security. Right. And it just makes it very intuitive. Yeah, absolutely. And as Jesse said, if folks want to be supporting now, a great way to do this is to be sharing these stories because they are being posted online you can be sharing them on your social media as well, sending them to friends. If you're not already, you can follow Humans of Basic Income on Twitter. It's at humansbasic, all one word, and see what stories have been posted and help get, that, get those stories out there. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Basic Income Podcast. Thank you to our producer, Eric Davidson. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or the service of your choice and subscribe while you're there if you're not already. And, uh, and tell your friends, we're always looking to bring more people into this conversation. We'll talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.